Well, welcome again. It's great to have all of you in God's house this morning. And uh, my thanks to uh, Dottie and Terry and all the music folks and everyone making worship possible this morning. And I would just remark that that scripture that Dottie read is a great prayer for you, and my wish that you'll make it a prayer for you this week as we think about the first Sunday in Advent, the Sunday of hope. And it is a great prayer for hope. We continue our series of Christmas at the movies. This morning we're looking at Home Alone 2, and we are in the familiar story of the angel come to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. We continue our series, Home Alone. And uh, I don't know what your Christmas traditions are, but uh, for Savannah and myself, we enjoy Thanksgiving. We just, I love making the turkey and all the fixings. And, uh, and then after that's over, then there's more turkey and fixings and pies and everything. And we typically watch a Thanksgiving movie, and then we shift gears, and we move into watching Christmas movies. And we love Christmas movies. And it gets us in the mood to decorate the tree and the house and, you know, as much as we can outside. And just we just enjoy that. So everybody, are, are you decorated for Christmas yet? Let me just see by a show of hands. Yeah, more people are in the spirits. A few Grinches out there. That's okay. It'll catch on. <laughs> well, um, a couple years ago, we did a series entitled Christmas at the Movies, and uh, weaving together some of the favorite Christmas movies with the uh, perennial story of, of the manger, the first night in Christmas in Bethlehem. And so many people came and said they loved that, that it was uh, just added a new light, a new kind of angle facet to the Christmas story. And, uh, and so we decided to do it again, and only uh, Christmas movies part two. And I have found so many times that it's interesting because many times for the Christmas movies in Hollywood, they find that they need to tap in to the first Christmas story, the true meaning of Christmas, to really add to the magic of the movie. And so I invite you into Home Alone too. And I don't know if this is a favorite movie of yours, but it is in my uh, last time we did Home Alone 1, uh, where Kevin gets left behind at home and all kinds of chaos breaks loose as uh, these two robbers, uh, uh, Marv and Harry, uh, uh, come after him and try to rob the house. And uh, there's all kinds of lessons that we learned in that. And this is Home Alone 2. And 
Oddly enough, in this, Kevin is left behind again. Now, he's not left behind at home. The family, if you recall, is in this bustling chaos uh, that is going on. And uh, they all make it to the airport this time, unlike the previous time they have their, all their extended family. And there's more than a dozen people in these two airport limits. And this time, they're running through the airport Palmile. And this time, they planned a holiday in Miami, supposedly this really nice resort. Right, and so they're running. They're late. The alarm, uh, the power went off. The alarm didn't go out, so they're they're late for the plane, and they're running through the airport. And Kevin is running after them, and and Kevin is carrying a single bag, which has uh, got his camera in it, his recorder camera, and also uh, his father's wallet and money are in there as well. So Ke- Kevin's running through the airport, and he stops to get something and check on his bag. And in the meantime, the family just keeps running because Kevin, of course, is the last one as always. And uh, and then Kevin looks up. And he sees what he thinks is his father, right? Because the man has the same kind of camel-covered top coat on. And so Kevin is following this guy. Meanwhile, his family runs to the the plane going to Miami. And of course, the last one's on. They just barely get there, and they just scramble onto the plane. Don't realize that Kevin's not there. Plane takes off. Meanwhile, Kevin is scrambling after this guy. Doesn't notice that it's not his dad. and, And he scrambles onto this plane, and it's a plane to New York City, of all places. And, uh, and then halfway through the flight uh, to Miami, his family realized that once again, Kevin's not there. And so it just brings to mind, first of all, is that sometimes we forget the most important thing. Sometimes we forget the most important thing. In the midst of all the Christmas chaos, am I the only one? Maybe at the top of your list, it's a long list about this time of the year. And you've got presents to buy. You've got uh, holiday decorating to do. You've got some Christmas meals to plan for. You've got all kinds of things going on. And you're trying to make it special. And amidst all the chaos, you forget the most important thing. And the most important thing, I think, is that, that Christmas is about God come to us in Christ that first Christmas Eve. And all the rest of it, all the sort of the dressings are important, but they're not as important as that. Well, meanwhile, Kevin gets to New York City. He realizes he's in the wrong city. Oh, he can't believe it. Of course, this is before cell phones and all that sort of thing. But then Kevin realizes that he has his father's wallet. <laughs> and in addition to all the money, he has his father's credit cards. So Kevin decides he's going to stay at one of the nicest hotels in New York City, which is the Plaza Hotel. So he goes to this ritzy hotel, and he's smart enough that he calls on the phone to make reservations with his father's credit card and all his father's information. And then he shows up at the front desk, and he just says, of course, I'm not here by myself. I never would do that, uh, but I need to be let into the room until my parents get here. So they let him into the room. Well, Kevin... He orders room service and orders this entire ice cream bar for Sundays and have this guy serving him in this luxury hotel. He's in the lap of luxury. And then uh, he decides he's going to go to the best toy store in New York City, which is one of the best toy stores in the world, which is Mr. Duncan's Toy Store. And so uh, they find out, they discover that this young man must have money. And so they order a limousine for him and take him to the toy store. He's living large in this toy store. Of course, he's got his father's credit cards. He's got all his father's money in there. And, um, and this toy store is incredible. It's just beautiful. It's magnificent. And so Kevin is buying a few things in the toy store, and then he goes up to the cash register. And there's this older man behind the cash register, and uh, Kevin gives him a $50 bill, and he's got some change. And the elderly man asks him if he wants to donate because people are donating towards St. Anne's Children's Hospital. 
And Kevin thinks about it for a moment. He says, well, you know, yeah, I'd like to donate to St. Anne's Children's Hospital. And so uh, he gives some money, and then uh, he decides to give some more money. And the man behind the counter goes over and says, well, for everyone who donates like that, we're going to give a gift. And so he goes over from the Christmas tree, and he takes down this two turtle doves together. And he gives them to to little Kevin, and he says, this is a turtle dove, it's a gift for you, and it's a symbol of friendship, and I want you to always remember that we're, that we're friends, right? And so Kevin is moved by that, and then he realizes, as he looked over in the corner of the toy store, that there's a painting of the owner, Mr. Duncan, and it's Mr. Duncan that's behind the cash register. And Mr. Duncan says, uh, the owner of the toy store always gives all the cash from all the sales on Christmas Eve, which today is Christmas Eve for him, and at the end of the night, they take it, and the next day, they take it to St. Anne's Children's Hospital. So all the money that is sold from all the toys goes towards St. Anne's Children's Hospital. And so Kevin is so moved by that and uh, sort of keeps the secret that that's Mr. Duncan. Well, he leaves, and unbeknownst to him, the robbers who previously robbed tried to rob his home, did rob the home, and they were thrown in jail by the name of Harry and Marv, are in, actually in the store, and they have escaped from Chicago, and the prison there on a prison break are now in New York City, and they decide they're gonna try to rob that toy store, because there's all kinds of cash in a toy store on Christmas Eve. So Kevin overhears it, they see Kevin, they run after Kevin, and uh, Kevin's just this little kid running through New York City now, and uh, these two burglars are after him, and he doesn't know what to do, and uh, he falls down, and they catch him, and it seems like all hope is lost. Man, and Kevin, all of a sudden, who was so sort of footloose and fancy-free with his father's credit cards and cash, now wishes for the most important thing, which is his family, right? So I just ask you to push pause on your Christmas plans and all the great things you got going, and ask you, have you forgot the most important thing? Whether it's the family or Kevin or you're older in life or younger in life, have you forgot the most important thing Christmas, which is the hope that only comes to God in Jesus Christ? Well, the next thing is that hope is found. Don't you know, don't you love it when hope is found? And so Kevin scrambles and makes a break for it with some clever kinds of finagling, and he runs into Central Park, and he finds there this woman. And she's homeless. She's got all these birds all over her, which she thinks is the strangest things. There's pigeons sort of hanging all over her. And uh, Kevin runs away scared at first. But then he goes back, and he begins to talk to her. And she begins to share her story. As Kevin's talking about friends, he's kind of lost, and he's alone in New York City. And Kevin asks her what happened to her. And she shares with Kevin that she was once like every other person, that she had the love of her life, that she was married, and, but that he left her, and her heart was irrevocably broken by that. And Kevin says, well, can't you love again? And she says, sometimes you're, the hurt is too deep to love again. And she just, I just gave up on all that. And Kevin doesn't know what to do quite, because she says she can't even make friends. So Kevin and her sort of become friends, and Kevin is looking for hope and something special, and so she takes Kevin to a very special place. They go up on top of this concert hall in New York City, which they can't afford to go in. Normally she couldn't, and they look down from the roof through the window, 
And then they hear this grand orchestra playing, O come, let us adore them. O come, let us adore him. And they're both moved in that moment. And Kevin sort of finds this new inspiration in all this hope, and he sort of shares it with her in that moment, even though she is sort of pushing back on all of that. And Kevin shares that he's done some things that are wrong. And she says, well, you know, every good deed erases a bad deed. And Kevin thinks about that for a moment. And he realizes that the burglars are about to rob the toy store for all the money that's there for St. Anne's children's home. And so he decides that maybe there's something that he can do, even though he's not quite sure what it is yet. And so Kevin takes off. He goes back to the hotel where they have found out that the credit cards he had are reported stolen. <laughs> so they come running after him. So he has to run out of the hotel. It's like all things are lost right then. And uh, he doesn't know what to do. So he takes his money and he buys some stuff. And he goes to an apartment that is his father's brother. It's a townhouse that he's renovating. And uh, Kevin begins to make all kinds of booby traps and all kinds of things for these burglars to try to lure him in there, right? And, um, and then he has this moment where he goes to the children's hospital for inspiration. And he stands outside the children's hospital in the chapel with the stained glass where St. Anne is. And he looks up and sees this young boy who's in the hospital and they kind of wave at each other. And in that moment, he kind of has some inspiration for the whole thing. Well, it reminds me of the story of Mary. Because you know who St. Anne is, right? Two people do. Uh, St. Anne is the mother of Mary. <laughs> St. Anne is the mother of Mary, of course. And uh, she's a very special woman. Those of us went to the Holy Land, we went to St. Anne's home over in the Holy Land. It's still a very holy place. And in the midst of our own brokenness and chaos, really haven't we sort of stolen our father's credit card and run up a bill that we can't pay and need someone to pay for it, to heal that? Haven't we all in some way, shape, or form found a hurt like the woman in our life, whether it's a loved one who has left us or a broken relationship or our own broken relationship with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. And we need healing. We need hope into that moment. And in that moment, where all seems dark and lost for humanity, God comes to the most unlikely person, a young woman. There, as an angel coming to her, telling her that she will conceive a baby through the power of the Holy Spirit and bring light to the darkened humanity to heal the hurt, to bring love, to pay for the debt that we have run up through our brokenness and our wrong actions somehow through the very miracle of God in that moment. What a beautiful moment that reminds us that you and I really aren't home alone at all, as sometimes we think we are. That God has come in the midst of us as Emmanuel, God, God with us. Well, Kevin takes off, and uh, it's midnight. It's late, and the toy store is just closed. All the money has been locked up in there, and he sees the burglars that are in there. So Kevin goes, and he takes a brick and writes a note to Mr. Duncan. 
and rubber bands it on that brick, and then he taps on the window, and the burglars see him, and he pulls up the rock, and, uh, and then he breaks the window. Of course, the alarms go off, and they are so enraged at Kevin to try to spoil their robbing this uh, toy store, and they take off after Kevin with as much money as they can grab, and they chase Kevin. Of course, Kevin heads over to this townhouse that is his uncle that's abandoned, that's been renovated, and he's got all these booby traps, lures these guys in there, and all kinds of fun antics. You know how Home Alone is. It's just booby traps and antics. It's, it's hilarious, and um, he's doing great, but then Kevin begins to, to take off and to run, and uh, as they sort of escape, and as he's going, he goes into Central Park, runs there, and, and they catch him, and you think all hope is lost there, and uh, they're about ready to just beat the life out of poor Kevin. And all of a sudden, this homeless woman arrives. And these guys have been covered with tar and pitch. And she throws birdseed all over these two burglars. And all the pigeons of Central Park descend <laughs> on these two guys and smother them. And Kevin is saved by this homeless woman. And then Kevin. Kevin takes off, he lights these fireworks, and the police come, and, and Kevin is taken off because he realizes he still has some work to do at finding his family. Now, meanwhile, of course, his family is not in this resort in Miami that they went to, which, by the way, ended up being the worst place ever. You know how advertisements are? It's the worst dingy place they've ever been to. They fly to New York City because they found out that, you know, when the credit card rung up, that Kevin's in New York City. They go to the hotel, and they go to the front desk and ask him if Kevin's been there. They say yes. And, and then they said, where is he? And they said, well, they chased him out of there because he had a stolen credit card. And he said, how can you let a little boy loose in New York City? And they feel so bad, they give the family the best suite in the place. It's a presidential suite up on the top, the penthouse. And so their family enjoying that. Meanwhile, parents are panicking, trying to find their son in New York City, and uh, father's running one place, and, and the mom is just beside herself, running in the middle of the night, trying to find her son. And, um, and these two police officers, uh, she goes up to them, they're in a car, and she tells them she's lost her son. And they said they haven't seen him, and they asked her if she looked all these different places. And then finally, one of the police officers says, well, let me ask you, if you were your son, where would you be if it was Christmas Eve and you weren't with your family? And she thinks for the moment, and she says, well, I'd want to be with my family by the Christmas tree. And as soon as she says that, she realizes, oh, the Christmas tree. And she goes, Rockefeller Center, where this huge Christmas tree is, of course, in New York City, if you've ever been there or seen it on TV. And so she runs over to Rockefeller Center. And meanwhile, Kevin is by the Christmas tree, praying that his family would find him between two angels. And his mother comes running there, and she sees Kevin surrounded by those angels in this beautiful moment of reunion that is there. And it reminds me, in the midst of all this, of course, that miracles are still happening there, but also in our own lives. That God is at work reconciling us. That God has come searching for us as we have lost our way. We have run up credit cards that we don't have and uh, run up bills we can't pay through our sins and shortcomings. And, and God is there to reconcile through the most unlikely means, right, of a, a baby, tender Emmanuel, born in Bethlehem. And on this journey to Bethlehem, I ask you, where are you in the broken chaos of your life in the darkness 
Do you realize that God is searching for you and that Christmas is about God's search for you in the darkness and brokenness of our, of our lives? Well, Kevin is reunited with his family. They go to bed Christmas Eve, and the next morning they wake up, and it turns out that Mr. Duncan, who went over to the store in the middle of the night, found Kevin's note, found out that there was Kevin, found out that he's at the Plaza Hotel, and even though the family doesn't have presents, he sends over a Christmas tree and all the presents the family can imagine, and puts a turtle dove, symbol of friendship, on the tree for Kevin. And the family is so moved by that. But Kevin, in that moment, as he's looking at the tree and the turtle doves, realizes that he has one more mission to do. He grabs the turtle doves, he runs into the park, he finds the homeless woman, and he goes and he gives her this gift of one of the turtle doves and says, you know, we'll always be friends. So they find friends and she finds there's a friend that she can count on when her heart has been broken. Well, it reminds me that, of course, miracles are still happening in all of our lives. And you and I have some hope to share that we need to beyond God coming into our life with hope, which is that we can reach out in friendship and we can share hope in some of the amazing ways and our world can be a better place. I love the fact that in this scripture, there's some of my favorite phrases in all of scripture. And the first is when the angel comes to Mary, and Mary is so overwhelmed in this moment, the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. I have read that a lot of times in my life. For nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't mean everything is going to turn out your way or my way, but that for God, all things are possible. God brings hope in the darkness. God heals the hurt that seems so deep and brings love. And then the other things are things that Mary says. When Mary says, here I am. I don't think she got all the answers she wanted, but she said, here I am. And she said, let it be. The title of my favorite song, by the way, by the Beatles. <laughs> Which, exactly from this, in my darkest night, Mother Mary comes to me and says, let it be. Because you may not understand it all, as much as we struggle, but you can say, God, here I am, to accept your grace and your hope and here I am to do whatever it is that you asked me to do, and let it be. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your will. Because God is still at work in all the chaos and darkness. I'm going to close with this thought. In 2008, Savannah and I lived in Connecticut for a while, 2008, 2009. And we went to New York City for Christmas, near Christmas. And we took the Amtrak in there and and we saw all the wonder of New York City for Christmas time. It was just amazing. We didn't go to any shows or anything we, on a budget. <laughs> but uh, we walked around. We enjoyed it. Savannah was only five years old at the time. And, um, and it was a hard time for the country and, and for us, frankly. Well, in 2008, the market meltdown took place. The financial meltdown of the marketplace did some wrongdoing, frankly, on Wall Street and the banking industry, just 
A lot of people lost their homes and mortgages um, on speculation from bankers and derivatives and all that stuff. And, and it didn't look good. Markets meltdown, banking meltdown, people losing their jobs. And New York City was at the epicenter of that. I mean, you could feel the weight of that. And um, a lot of darkness. But in the midst of that, we tried to enjoy the simple things. But then we walked over to Rockefeller Center. And Savannah was on my shoulders. And we saw the Christmas tree and the angels. And it was just like, wow. And everybody was kind of quiet. It doesn't happen a lot in New York City. And in the midst of all that clamor, maybe people like me were thinking, well, in the darkness is a light that comes from God. And sometimes some darkness has to come for us to appreciate the light, hope that comes only from God. And maybe in all the darkness that as we light a candle for Christmas, we realize that that is the one hope that we can count on. The hope comes as God pursues us like a father or mother looking for a lost son or a lost daughter in all the chaos and all the darkness. And God is there to pay all the bills and take care of everything. And that God is there. And here's the most important thing is that sometimes you may feel you are home alone against the world, but you're not. You're not. You're not home alone because God has come to us in Emmanuel, God with us in Christ to share our struggles and our pain, our hurt, and to bring us healing and love and grace that only come through Christ. So this journey to Christmas and all the chaos and all the hustle and bustle and busyness, I encourage you to not forget the most important thing, faith and family, and to realize there's still hope there as we light the candle of hope today, come around God's table where God invites us and God continues reconciling us and empowering us to love and serve God and love and serve our neighbor. And yes, there are still things to do, even as Mary, hearing the voice of the angel said, there's nothing impossible with God said, here I am, and let it be. For God is at work, and God loves us. Amen? Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we think about the fact that you have come to us in Christ that first Christmas to heal our, our heartache and our hurts, to bring us healing and love, to light a candle of hope in our darkest night, that you are there pursuing us, in all of the chaos of the world and all the darkness of the world, you love us and you give us a candle of hope that we can share with others near and far. So Lord, help us today and each day in the journey to Christmas to light this candle of hope that comes only from you and to share it with others near and far. We pray in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen.